and welcome back to the What The Fork Sunderland Preview Podcast. Sunderland's winning streak came to an end at the weekend as we somehow lost 1-0 to Cardiff City. Despite long periods of dominance, however, this Friday we do have a chance to put that right as we visit bottom of the league Sheffield Wednesday who are having a little bit of a struggle on their return to the Championship. And to update us on kind of what's going wrong on the blue side of Sheffield is a returning guest, but a man we haven't spoke to in actually over a year. James from the Wednesday Till I Die podcast. James, how are you, mate? You okay? Yeah, um, I've been better, Graham, um, to be perfectly honest. In myself, I'm fine. But no, uh, the football has been nothing short of horrendous so far this season, both on and off the pitch as well. Uh, but you're all right in yourself. You're feeling healthy and well. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm feeling brilliant. Uh, it's just that, yeah, there's a game on Friday and, hmm, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I kind of already know what the outcome is going to be before I've even gone, to be honest. We've all been there, I think, but um, we'll get straight to it. Uh, there's lots to talk about, to be honest, which is it makes it interesting for me, but not so much great for you. But eight games, six defeats, two draws, no wins has not been a positive start um, to your return to the second tier. How has it been, being a Sheffield Wednesday fan in the opening, however many weeks we've had of the season, six weeks or so? Uh, it's mental. Uh, I'm sure most of your listeners probably saw the playoffs, certainly probably the Peterborough game, if not watched it live, they probably saw the highlights and, you know, the, the 4-0 defeat uh, in the first leg was horrendous. Obviously, the, the 4-0 win in, in the 90 minutes back at our place was probably one of the best games that I've ever witnessed. And then to go, obviously, we, we go on to Wembley, we, we win in dramatic fashion there. And then I think with something like, it's 100 and, I don't know, 110, 120 days since that playoff final win. And to be where we are now, I've, it, it's it's quite impressive, really, to have thrown it all away in such dramatic fashion. Everyone was absolutely buzzing after uh, after Wembley, myself included, thinking that we've perhaps turned a corner. You know, we've had whole points deductions, having to go down to League One. Right, it took us two seasons to get out there, but maybe we're, you know, on that upturn, you know, the form might have changed, you know, things can look positive. I was just, to be honest, I was looking forward, Graham, to just a, a boring season because I didn't think the squad was quite, you know, good enough to do what you boys have done and, and kind of challenge for the playoffs. I just thought they, they wouldn't be bad enough to go down, but you know, we wouldn't be good enough to be challenging. We'd just be, you know, mid table and it'd be a nice steady season because we've had a lot of, you know, the past two seasons, obviously expecting to win every game the season before with the points deduction, everything else that's come, that's come with it. Uh, I was just happy just to, be just a normal team, but you know, the season started. Obviously, we've got a new manager in Cisco Munoz, who uh, you know, it took 15 days to appoint him. Personally, I think he was a cheap option. I don't really know who else we were talking to. Obviously, names were banded around. Um, before we kicked a ball, you know, things were looking quite positive, but then pre season were a bit of a shambles. Um, if you look, we've, we've won one game, including pre season, which was Chesterfield away. Now, Chesterfield are in the in the National League, like it's nothing really to, to brag about, is it? I know pre-season doesn't mean everything, but the alarm bells are ringing then. It's continued into the season. We haven't got a clue. I don't know what the playing style is. The formation's changed seemingly every week. I mean, to be honest, the last game against Swansea, I mean, we played Swansea and Middlesbrough last two. We lost 3-0 against Swansea, and it was probably up there with one of the worst performances that I've ever witnessed. So... Yeah, I just we're in dire straits at the moment. The chairman's not got a clue. The, the manager's not got a clue, and we're just kind of in free fall at the moment. Funny you mentioned the the kind of boring season. I think that's what Sunderland fans wanted in a way, and then we did 
kind of a non-boring season, but in a positive way. But you're right in what you say. I think I did watch all the playoff games and I was like the first leg I watched and I went, oh God, Chef Weta or Sumlin, they're going to be stuck there for ages. I did not expect you to do what you did. And I think we remember the momentum that is still going from our um, playoff game, obviously, which you'll be well aware of. And that <laughs> yeah. carried us so far. And you think the way that you've won it in such dramatic fashion in both like the final and the semi, you think that momentum is going to really push you, but there was one big thing that happened that I do want to get on to the new manager because, well, your forums don't seem to like him very much, but someone who I've, I've always really liked, and again, you probably a kick in the box for you last night, seeing him get a last-minute equaliser as new manager of Huddersfield, but Darren Moore seems to be the nicest man on the planet, and then he's not there anymore, so, you know, I think unless you live on the moon, you can't fail to have noticed that, I moon, the moon even, sorry, um, you can't fail to have noticed that his sacking slash departure wasn't exactly amicable. Um, before we got on to yeah. the new man, for the people who don't really know, can you give us the, the intricate details of, you know, the lowdown, essentially, and what happened with Darren Murray's sacking and, and what your thoughts were on it? Yeah, so obviously we, we we win against Barnsley in the, in the you know in, in the last minute. Obviously the season's ended quite uh, late because of the playoffs. I think they go on a, I think they, him, him, uh, Darren Moore and the the players are off on you know two week holidays. They probably would normally do perhaps a little bit later than what they're, they're expecting. Everything's looking normal. Um, one thing I would say is uh, Sheffield Wednesday are very quiet in terms of contract lengths, not only managers but players and things like that. We never really know what sort of contracts that people are on. Um, it's led to believe that it was on a rolling contract from when he first came in. Uh, obviously, came in, what, two, two and a half seasons prior to when he left. Um, basically, what's what's happened is he's come back. There's been there's lots of different stories, and even though there's been various, you know, versions of the story from, from either side, it's still you know pretty difficult to find out what's the actual truth but you know reading between the lines Darren Moore said that there was a disagreement in terms of the um where the club is going to be this season and where he thinks they're going to be Chancery came out in the fans forum and said that he's, he's aiming for top six now I don't know if that's tongue-in-cheek or if that's taken out of context obviously he's a guy from Thailand he's English although he can speak English isn't fantastic um I don't know how, if, if he actually meant that or not um, having with Darren Moore saying what he said, I think he probably felt that the squad wasn't good enough to to meet that objective. Now uh, it's also come out that that Darren Moore's asked for one point two million a year uh, in terms of a salary, and he's asked for to be the highest paid at the at the club, which which has now come out in the wash and Chan series, throwing all the toys out of the pram and, and kind of said all these uh, all these things. Um, now there's an argument that's people are saying was Darren Moore worth that and people are back in Chancery saying well you know he wasn't good enough last season and he shouldn't be paid that much money but you know if you look at what the average championship salary is it's around about that figure anyway so maybe he was just asking for what he wanted also I don't know about you but if if someone you know is in a is in a higher league so that's, that's seen as a, a promotion if then your boss is asking you to do something that you think is unachievable, you know he knows that he knows what football's like. I'm going to ask for big money. If I get big money, fantastic. I'll probably get the sack because I know I'm not going to be able to do what he's asking of me, uh, and then I get a nice healthy payout. Or, you know, if what happens happens and and you know he, he doesn't, um, they, they don't agree terms. His stock is high. He's got a promotion on his CV, and look, he's gone to Huddersfield who. 
you, know, you could argue, well, at the moment they are in a much better position than what than what we're in now. So he's uh, he's come out of that quite quite rosy. But yeah, it's um, from my point of view, yeah, hindsight's a wonderful thing. Um, I always thought there was times last season when people wanted a new manager, and I thought that you know. Yeah, is, is there better managers than Darren Moore? Absolutely. Um, is there worse managers? Well, there's far more worse managers than than there is better at that current time. So it was, you know, the, the right decision to stick with him. Um, you know, I, I thought, give him a season. If we'd have finished mid-table, I would have been more than happy for him to walk away uh, and say, let's bring in a new manager and let's um, let's build on that. But as it happens now with, uh, you know, new New season, new league, new manager. Not enough time either, because let's not forget there was that was another two weeks after the the end of the playoffs. So other teams have had four, five weeks to to prepare for all this, and we're kind of uh, on the back back foot. Twelve new signings, a different style of play. There's far too many variables, and then also not enough money to spend either to bring these players in. And it's just it's just a bit of a recipe for disaster, really. And that's that's where that's where we are right now at the moment. I looked at the forums. I looked at the, the the articles. I looked at everything I could about this Cisco fellow, obviously ex Watford manager, but you know, aren't we all? Um, as the new head coach, um, he look. He appears to be the most unpopular man to ever step foot in Hillsborough. If you look on, online, it's not always an accurate um, an accurate way to look at things. But I mean, he's he's not done very well. What's gone wrong with him in, in eight games? Is it all his fault or is it a mixture of loads of things and him also not being good enough? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of things to be fair. I mean, he's come in first and foremost. Um, Chancery wanted someone to play an attacking football and they brought Cisco in. Now, nobody's ever said that what style of football he plays. But having looked at what he, what he does and what he did at, at Watford, it's very much on the counter-attack, soak up the pressure and, and hit you on the break. That, that's not attacking football. Um, so I think some of these certain fans that have just not kind of looked into what he's done previously and just gone on what what the chairman's been asking for. So that's so maybe that's not on him, but that you know maybe we've had like the the wrong expectations of him. Um, one big thing is Marvin Johnson, um, who we had for the past two seasons. Now probably one of the most frustrating footballers that we've ever, ever had in terms of on the day over the ninety minutes. He's you know. There's certain things that he does that you, like I said, that you get frustrated on. Not don't take a man on things like that, but his numbers are brilliant in terms of the number of assists that he gets. He also chips in with a goal, so he's a player that you can't really leave out of your, of your squad. Um, well, he's been ostracised out of the out of the team. Um, the 25 man squad, he's not part of it. He's not injured. He's not. There's nothing wrong with him. Um, he's, he's you know plays on the left hand side, and then we're now playing a player that. He brought in in Delgado as a right winger. We're playing him at left wing back, you know, square pegs and round holes. When we've got a perfectly all right, you know, left winger that can that can play in that position. Not only that, there's Reese James. Now, don't forget, Marvin Johnson and Reese James were brought in. Um, Reese James was on, on loan last season, and then we've signed him on a permanent. Um, and Marvin Johnson signed a new contract. They both came in before Cisco. So th- those contracts were signed before Cisco uh, became manager. So he's not actually brought those players in and, and neither have got a look in at this season whatsoever. And like I said, when you're playing players out of position and you've got two perfectly okay players, well, not even on the bench, not even in the squad. Um, and, th- and it's not like they didn't play last season either. It's not like we're asking to bring in a, 
you know, 17 year old kid. Um, they, they can more than do a job. So that, that's another thing that's not gone well. Um, in the media is awful. I don't know if you've watched any of the uh, like press conferences or any of the clips that he's done with the local, uh, local radio, but they are awful. Uh, he's, you know, he's been rubbed. He, he, he bites and he's, he's just saying the wrong things, saying the wrong things time and time again, laughing uh, after the Swansea game. Now it's probably a nervous laugh, but still it's just things that you just don't do. Like it just doesn't look great, even if it's nervous or not, or even if he's not meaning the things now, you know, he's again, English isn't his native language. He's Spanish. He's, he can speak English, but there's, there's times where things get lost in translation. Again, not only for him talking, but also him misinterpreting what's being asked in the, in the questions. And um, you know, you'll know yourself doing what you what you do. Like if you, if you're going to get a bite out of someone, you're going to keep doing it because it looks it's great for the content. It's great for people listening, reading, and things like that. And he's he's just not helping himself with, with what he's saying. Um, I think if you read read um, more into it you can probably get a general idea of what he's trying to say but when things are going wrong everything seems to go wrong um he's, he's like calling the players out as well which eight games in it's not a great look and i just can't see as where we're going from here to be honest like it's you know so things need to change i don't know if he's got the buy-in from the players as well Re- you know a few things that, that like rumors from things that have come out from the club you know they're not they're not buying into his kind of ethos and and what he's what he's trying to do and the, just the tactics look all wrong. You know, whatever we're trying in in preseason, all right, it didn't work. So we didn't win any game. We've gone back to five three two. We played five three two um, for all the whole of last season, and then we're now eight games in, and we've switched back to something that we did under Darren Moore. So what's happened in preseason? What you know? What, what's all this preparation and things has just been off and off? Things it's all been all being ripped up, and I mean, I think he's used the most players in a starting lineup uh, in, in the whole of the, the league. I think we were, I think we were under 20, 21 players, tw- 21 different players in the, in the starting lineup, uh, eight games in. That, again, you don't know what his best 11 is either. Like, and it's hard, isn't it? Because when things go wrong, you want changes. And then when you make all the changes, you want a bit of stability and you know players to play uh, you know, week in, week out. So you're damned if you're doing, you're damned if you don't. But yeah, like I said, something needs to change quickly and uh, unfortunately I think it could be the manager I looked at the the Middlesbrough game and I think you know obviously no Middlesbrough won at the weekend but they've not had a great start of the season you had Borough and then you came up against Swansea who hadn't won a game all season and while the stats are a bit closer the scoreline is not I mean battered 3-0 that's a battering however you look at it I think both of them would build as a massive game especially from Sheffield Wednesday's perspective, but also probably the other club's perspective as well. Is Friday his final chance at salvation or is it already too far gone no matter what happens on Friday? Uh, last Saturday was his last chance as far as I'm concerned, to be honest. Um, playing two teams that have not won a game all season, um, one at home, one away, that, that's your chance to get some points on the board. All right, I think Middlesbrough in a false position. You could argue that Swansea are a little bit um, but the stats say that they haven't won a game all season. Their confidence was going to be low. Um, yeah, I, I thought like the, in, against Middlesbrough the first half, I thought we were good. Paul Valentine, someone who's not, you know, he made his league debut for us um, last week. He was fantastic down that right hand side. They had to change things up at half time, and then we just didn't didn't deal with it, and we didn't really capitalise on the chances that we had in the first half. And you know, one one. All right, I thought that was a must win game, but it certainly was a must must not lose game. But if we didn't win against Middlesbrough we had to beat Swansea 
and it's just um, it's difficult as well because you look Cardiff it was 1-1 we conceded a penalty in the last minute and it's a ridiculous penalty to concede there's nobody near him it's a handball and then they put the ball away same with um, you know against uh, against Swansea the guy's got the better of him he's pulled him back like all right. there's there's arguments whether it's inside or outside the box or whether he's dived theatrically or whatever it is but it's pulled him back in the box like what what, what we're playing at here like it's stupid mistakes and you could argue when it's individual mistakes like that that's not really on the manager however in said that you've gone 1-0 down and we just absolutely fell apart at the weekend like you know um, I said before the game whoever gets the first goal probably goes on to win and then I would rephrase by saying if Swansea get the first goal they'll probably go on to win because we just we've got no backbone um, there's no style players are resorting to doing things themselves you know there were a few times of players picking the ball up and, and just running with the ball I know that's what you want you want ball carriers but there was nobody showing for it they're just running aimlessly and and eventually they get tackled um, and when that starts happening what that that's not the that's not whatever the style of plays and whatever the tactics are that's not it so you're going against the grain by doing that and trying to you know Barry Bannon's a prime example who tries to tries to do everything um, when things aren't going great and like I said, invariably, it never, never really happens when you're in, a, in League One. You probably get away with it in the Championship. It's a lot better quality, and and yeah, you look at the fixtures. We've got you boys on Friday. You know, Uddersfield are coming up. That's going to be great. Uddersfield at home against Darren Moore. Uh, I can see how that one's going to go. And you look and you think it's probably going to be Rotherham. That's end of end of October where we're going to perhaps get some points. And yeah, I think um, we asked this question at the weekend on the pod and said is this squad good enough for the championship? And both myself and Liam were like, yes, it probably is. But not with this manager and these, these tactics that we've that we've got at the moment. I looked at your, your summer window and I wouldn't say I pride myself in having a decent knowledge, but um, I like to think there's a few players that I know. But if I'm honest with you, outside of Rhys James, I was I was a bit lost. And obviously Rhys James... We know because he's was at Sunderland and he's on loan at you last year, so he's not really a new signing. He's just someone that's came permanently. Um, a lot of the other names, Bernard, obviously I recognise from Man United's Academy, but many of them were kind of shot in the dark that I don't know much about. But it looks like a lot of them are in the starting eleven. Have any of them made much impact? Have any of them improved the squad? Are any of them struggling because of the manager? Is there anything that you did that was decent in the window that maybe can turn out good? Uh, yeah, there's two players I want to pick out that uh, we were crying out for pace. That's um, a thing that we were really, really lacking. Uh, we signed Anthony Masaba from Monaco and then Jerry Gassama. Masaba's 22, Gassama's only 19. We're, we're, we're crying out for pace and youth. And I think they tick those boxes and looking from where they've come from, you know, Paris Saint-Germain and, and Monaco, they're not poor sides. You know, some cracking players have come out of Monaco. Not saying that Masaba's going to be going to be one of them but um, you know it's, it's better than coming from you know Gateshead or, or someone like that in the in the National League North or wherever they play so you know th- th- those were two exciting players uh, Gassama's played about 12 minutes um, and Masaba he started against Swansea uh, he came off the bench for, for Windass against Middlesbrough and I think in the both, both games he looked quite bright and looked quite you know like he's got something about him um, it's someone that yeah, it could it could help us, but the problem is we're putting all his hopes on two players that have not done it anywhere else in their career, uh, young and playing in England for the first time. So 
it's a it's a bit of a tall ask, I think, to to try and see them as the as the saviors. Um, I mean, another player that um, that was fantastic and he's unfortunately got injured is Momo Diaby. Um, he he was playing that defensive midfield role. He looked fantastic and he got injured against Preston in the what, second third game of the season. That's a bit of a a bit of a blow. Paul Valentin, you said you watched the Middlesbrough game. He was the one like I mentioned before on the on the right, getting forward from that right wing back position and really driving the ball and, and, and taking a man on. Something that we've not really done all season, to be fair. Then again, he played against Swansea and he very rarely got forward. He got booked for that for the penalty, you know, for the shirt pull, and I think that kind of knocked him a little bit. To be fair, so he's, he's had one good game. And then he follows out with a with a, with a poor game and probably you know hero to zero in in the space of you know four or five days. So, so yeah, I think you're right in what you said in in, in your assessment at the start. Like a lot of them are, are players that we've not really heard of, or if we've if we have heard of them, it's not not because they've been lighting it up. John Buckley is probably one that people would know from his time at Blackburn. He's on loan. He again, he probably is. He's probably the Head and shoulders that our best player at the moment. It's not quite been ticking for him, but it's always going to be difficult coming into a side that's, you know, no confidence and not winning any games, and 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 you're there to try and be the creative player. But then again, he's, he's you look up top and Smith, Gregory, and well, Ashley Fletcher said more about him. Um, again, it's it's difficult. You you provide him, but you've got you've got to have someone to to put the ball in the back of the net. It, it, it's it's a real sorry state. I know I've kind of said that the squad's good enough and then I've just kind of slated all the new signings, but I don't think any of them really better than what we've currently got and some of the players that have been forced out, I think it's been really unfair. Will Volks and George Byers can't really get a look in. I don't think the players that have come in are that much better than what than what they offer. It's interesting you mentioned about that because I looked at the team and I think there's ones that stick out that you recognise from League One days like Barry Bannon and so on and so forth. Um, and there is players that are within that team, but I noticed the likes like Liam Palmer, you mentioned George Byers there and not or weren't in the squad on um at the weekend. Now, when something came up, don't get me wrong, we added bits of quality here and there. You know, Diallo was an absolute revelation, but a lot of the reason, you know, we did really well was the likes of Danny Bart, the likes of Patrick Roberts, Jack Clark, all, all kind of up their game, but at the same time kind of grew with us out of out of League One. Sheffield United looked like eh, sorry, Sheffield Wednesday. Oof, need to edit that. Christ. Um <laughs> actually I might leave that in. Um <laughs> they look at least different. you didn't call this Sheffield, Graham. That's that's better. Yes. You can call it Sheffield United, but Sheffield would have been even worse, to be fair. Yes, it would have been. Um but I think in a sense, you look different. You look there's one or two players there, but the side does look different to the one I watched literally 120 days ago on Sky. Um, is that a, a big part of the reason Sheffield Wednesday haven't progressed or, or been competitive, if we're honest with each other? Um, because a lot of the team has changed and it's not really the boys that came up and the the team ethic, the team morale has maybe been destabilised a little? Yeah, I mean, look, when you come from four goals down and you're dead and buried and everyone's kind of written you off and then again, when you're in the playoff final... And you score in the 123rd minute and all that euphoria and the celebrations were fantastic after and the fans and everything else. You've got to harness that and you've got to take that through. Look, you mentioned Sheffield High just a minute ago. When they went up to the up to the Prem, not this time, but the, the, the one before, you're not telling me that, that that squad 
was better than the than the teams that they that they finished above. Obviously, they stayed, they stayed in the league. <clears throat> Obviously, the, the season after they got relegated, but that was because of you know the the team morale. They, they, you know they they live and die for each other. You know they, they they die for the badge and and everything else. And and sometimes that can kind of get you get you over that that hurdle. I think we had that. <clears throat> sorry, like, I mean we had that last season with um, with the way that we they won those games and you'd almost feel like you're unbeatable in those instances. And then to, yeah, to totally rip that apart, we haven't got any of that now. It's just gone. Like, surely you would just continue, certainly for the first 10 or 15 games, continue what you were doing from last season, work on things in the background to try and improve. You know, you bring a few additions in and, you know, all right, the, the gulf between the Championship and League One is probably, you know, it, it probably underestimated. It is, it is quite big, the, the gap. But equally so, there's also six or seven really poor teams in this league as well. So, you know, you don't have to be that good just to survive in in the league. And I and I, um, I feel like, yeah, yeah, Palmer's not playing, Byers is not playing. You know, Smith and Gregory. It's only one of them that's playing. I mean, Smith scored twenty goals last season. I think it's a bit of a fluke, to be fair, if I'm being honest. But football, we've just been talking about it. It's, it's all about unconfidence. He would be going in this season as a confident striker. And we've got none. All that confidence has just gone, not only from the players, but the fans as well. Like, we're in a far worse position, you know, than we've ever been. Do you know people have said, you know, it's going to be like this? We'd have preferred to stay in League One, I think, to be honest. I mean, all right, we, we, you wouldn't have had the, you know, the, the winning against Peterborough and winning against Barnsley in the final, and everyone wants to win at Wembley. Obviously, you did it the season before. It's a fantastic day. But you know what I mean? Like, it, it's really grim. I've got people telling me that they, they don't want to go to the match anymore. Like, they just don't want, don't want to go. It's, it's it's that bad. And people are probably thinking that, and listening, thinking, I can, I can not go to watch the watch the football. And at the end of the day, it means different things to different people, doesn't it? And, you know, where, and it's former entertainment. And I know you've got to be there through the thick and thin, but, you know, when you're paying through your nose to, to go and watch us as well, that's that's another problem. No, I think I can identify with that. Our championship season when we came through from the Premier League and kind of fell through the trap. Though there was a point where I think when it got to about December, I was like, I just can't be bothered with this. I still went because I'm an idiot. But um, if I could get all yeah. that money back, all those sort of 30 quids I spent on tickets and the season tickets, and you know, I might be a bit more of a rich man, I might have a bit more of my savings. But um, I don't feel as bad as I thought I was going to mention that because obviously your playoff wounds have healed. But I think it would be wrong of me from a Sunderland perspective, not mention the last time we spoke. Um, as Sunderland fans, those two games, the one at the Stadium Light and obviously Patrick Roberts' last minute winner slash equaliser, whatever you look at it as, was incredible memories for Sunderland. I think, you know, the game at the, the Stadium Light for me was the best atmosphere we've had in moons. Um, and it's kind of continued from there where we had the old music back, the old signs, and, and it was brilliant. From a Sunderland perspective, some of the best memories I've ever had, um, and it's really give us momentum, those two games. But now that you play off Windsor Fields and you can maybe look at it a bit more objectively, um, how did those two games feel as a, a Chef Red fan in terms of the atmosphere, in terms of the occasion? And and obviously you were on the wrong side of it, but looking back, how, how was it? Yeah, obviously the game at Stadium of Light, it was one of those where it's funny going into it, you know, I, I thought that... If it can be within a goal, we're still well within a chance. I was like, you know, come away with, a, well, you don't get a point, but come away with a draw and you were well in the game and, and you know, we can take it to Hillsborough and we're unbeatable at Hillsborough. 
mean, in the end, you didn't beat us at Hillsborough, although it did, 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 did feel like it. You know, we could have beat anyone uh, at S6. So, um, yeah, the, the, it was just really frustrating that it was a mistake by Sam Hutchinson that kind of led to that goal. And, you know, we didn't really create much. And you probably could have beaten us by two or three goals at the stadium alike. But again, I thought that we've... It was almost in a, in a weird way, probably better that we were perhaps a goal down because going into the game, we knew what we needed to do. And it's always easier chasing, I think, sometimes than it is, um, you know, leading and, and kind of holding on to a one-goal lead, say. That would that would have been probably even more dangerous. And and yeah, the game kind of, uh, as it was going on, you're thinking, are we going to do it? Are we not? Gregory scored and honestly, Hills were nearly erupted when, when Gregory scored that goal. And I honestly believe that it was only one winner in that one. I thought we were probably going to go on and uh, and win the game. Probably didn't probably capitalize on the on the whole atmosphere in the in those you know in those closing stages and and then probably put, took us foot off the gas, thinking it's going to go to extra time. And and yeah, it's the worst sound in football is when you're at home and you concede a goal and you can three sides are silent and then there's one side that's celebrating euphorically like uh, like you boys were doing it is, is horrible and it was it was a weird feeling as well because it was silent in the home end normally you've got like you know fucking hell and shouting and and everything else but there was none of that it was just like everyone was just in complete shock and like well that's it <laughs> that's over everyone's thinking Wembley we're gonna get there we're gonna you know who we're gonna come up against uh, in in the final uh, and then, yeah, they, just to have that ripped away from you, it felt, yeah, really, it was hor- it was horrible, really. And, and you're almost thinking as well, are we ever going to do it? You know, we, we've the previous two times, you know, Hull in the final, uh, in the championship, and then Huddersfield the, the season after. And then, all right, now this is League One, but, you know, again, you've not done it. You're thinking, gosh, how long are we going to be down in uh, in League One for? It, was, it certainly felt like that. Yeah, I think it was like the opposite in many ways for us. And I always felt, I think we said on the show to each other, if we beat Sheffield Wednesday or if you beat Sunderland, we'll go on and win it, we'll go up. And I always yeah. felt like that. And I took that confidence from a very pessimistic football supporter, um, optimistic man in life, very pessimistic when it comes to Sunderland, nine times out of 10, um, that if we beat Sheffield, it would it would be fine. Um, and, and I think... You know, that like when I said before was like the catalyst. It really catapulted us and we got in the playoffs again. Um, because we played each other, I, I don't know if you're similar to me, but I tend to watch the teams. Like I couldn't stop watching how Lincoln were doing for a couple of seasons because they beat us in the playoffs. And I kept like yeah. a sly eye for some reason. But, you know, from what you did see, did Sunderland's season last season surprise you or was it not really that much of a surprise based on momentum and things we've discussed before? Yeah, I said yes and no. Um, it surprised me a little bit because, you know, uh, when we played each other, I thought we were, you know, uh, fairly evenly matched. I know you pumped us 5 0. Um, but, you know, COVID kind of came into that one. But then, you know, we beat you 3 0 at our place. And, you know, for a team to go up in the playoffs to, to then kick on, it's normally the team that finishes top or second that have walked the league and, um, you know, very few defeats and they just kind of go on to do bigger and better things. And, and also the fact that you were down in League One for, for so long probably was a little bit of a surprise that you did kick on as uh, as much as what you did. You know, you know, normally it's a team that bounces back and kind of keeps the vast majority of the, the championship 
players. And I think as well, it's, it's a very young squad. So again, probably didn't really expect um, the, the young players to to kind of kick on as, as much as what they have done, really. Um, I suppose that's a testament to just having that belief in those uh, in those young players and you know the tried and tested has beens that that mostly reside in the championship. You've kind of gone against the mold uh, a, a little bit, and is uh, yeah, he's, he's great to see. And I mean, there is teams that do that, you know, um, you know that, that go up and up again. And I think he's, we've just done the total opposite, really. And I think our chairman's looked at what you boys have done and thought, ah, oh, we could do exactly the same, not really knowing all the ins and outs of how they've done that. I feel like we've, we've buggered a few teams um, coming up because I think a few teams think it's a bit easier when, to be fair, Diallo transformed us last season and there was a couple of players there as well, but two players that have had amazing seasons um, and one's continued this season is Jack Clark and Patrick Roberts. Now, I'll openly tell you, I wasn't 100% sure, especially on Jack Clark prior to the last time we played, but... They've both really came into their own since that playoff campaign. Um, then the next season that they've really flourished, especially Clarkie. Always a penultimate question: Which players concern you going into the game on on uh, on Friday? Yeah, well, we're just about to re- do the the opposite of this show straight after here, and obviously, I, I ask you the players to watch, and I always pick a few out. Uh, and yeah, Jack Clark is uh, is one of those two that I've uh, that I've picked. Um, obviously. Yeah, his, his goals already, and the fact that where he, where he plays, his position is, you know, you think with the goals he's scored so far, he'd be a, yeah, an out and out striker, but he's plays off the left, doesn't he? And um, yeah, he scored some wonderful goals not only this season, but but last season. I'm struggling to think how we can uh, how we can combat against that. To be honest, um, I mean, the other one that stands out, I think, mainly because his brother is is Joe Bellingham. Um, he's uh, again. He's picked up a few goals, hasn't he? I mean, the he must have the weight on his shoulders, really. Of you know, the weight of expectation, you know, because of his brother. Um, but it looks like he's he's doing the business. Um, probably not not fitting or firing as much as what you probably like. But he's played in numerous. He can play in numerous positions as well, can't he? he? Can play plays down the middle, but midfield, up front, attacking mid, can do it all, can't he? Really. Yeah, if he's ten percent as good as his brother, I think we've got a Premier League player on our hands, and I think that's a compliment to both. But um, final question: Obviously, we're going to be doing the same thing on your show, so do please tune into the, the alternative version, or, or don't if you don't want to listen to me anymore, which I understand as well. But um, my predictions have been terrible; they have been for about four years. Um, so I'll take a stab in the dark. I do fancy us. Look, I'm not going to lie, and this is going to be egg on my face if we do get beat. But Chef, we're struggling. We're not. Um, yes, we lost against Cardiff, but it feels like that was... I mean, we dominated the game. We don't feel too damn beat. I, I fancy a 3-1. I don't know if that's been too optimistic, but that's just trying to be as balanced as I can. I'm never right, though, so don't put any bets on it. But I'll take 3-1. But, but where are you going, James? I have a feeling, based on today's conversation, you might not disagree with me too much. Yeah, I think you've been very optimistic as well that we're going to score a goal, to be honest. Um <laughs> Can I have two? Can I go with my head and my heart? Because I can't. I can't just come on and and, and predict a defeat for for mm. Wednesday. So my, my my heart is saying that we'll nick it one nil. Um, my head is probably saying a four nil defeat. If I'm being perfectly honest, if we if we carry on the way that we're that we're going, I, I really can't see how how we're going to a score a goal and b keep you boys out. Um, so yeah, that's like I said. If we if we we're gonna have any chance, it would be one of those games where you're knocking on the door. I mean, one one player I didn't mention is Deves Vasquez. 
uh, from AC Milan on loan. Don't get too excited. He hasn't played for AC Milan. They've probably got about 19 goalkeepers and him being one of them. However, he has kept us in some of these games. You know, Ipswich could have been a cricket score. The point we got at Leeds could have easily been 2 or 3-0 if it, if it weren't for him. He's made some fantastic saves. Um, and the vast majority of the goals, I don't think you can attribute to to him. He's not really made a mistake. Great with his feet and things like that. So the only way I can see is getting a win is him being on form, you getting frustrated, piling men forward and us nicking it on the on the break and, and getting a one nil win. If we do that, we'd probably have to score in about the 94th minute to to hold on. So, uh, yeah, that's the only way I can see us winning. Music to the ears of Sunderland fans in many ways, but I feel quite bad. Um, obviously, we're going to do the, the show the opposite way around, but where can we find your stuff if people haven't seen you on the show before? I'm sure people are aware of you because of the show's previous, but if they're not, where can we find your stuff? Yeah, so the, it's the Wednesday till I die podcast, so you can search us on all the major podcasting platforms. Uh, on socials, it's at WTRD pod. Uh, I've also just been nominated for two awards at the Football Content Awards as well. So uh, uh, if you could um, give us a vote, that would be fantastic. Yeah, I actually saw that. I'm not in it, so go for it. Um, feel free to do it. That, that's why sense. I said that, yeah. <laughs> I'm never in it. Probably for good reason, but uh, James, thanks for joining me. Appreciate it. No problem, Graham. Cheers and all the best for the rest of the season. But fingers crossed, please just give us this first win on Friday, please.